Hi guys, I'm Lucinda. And I'm Kirsty. And welcome to the girlfriend episode of the Cinema Sideshow podcast. They've taken over. They have taken over. Episode 257. (laughs) Well, they've just crashed the introduction part, haven't they? They did. Wow. They've completely thrown it out of the whack. (laughs) What do we do? I don't know. We're going to have to wrestle the show back, I guess. We've broken the flow. (laughs) That's it. I think this is it. I think we've just started our own new podcast. That's it. Yeah, we have. (laughs) Are you guys like the Joey spinoff? Is that what's happening here? You've come in just to... Have your spin-off show start. Is that is that a Friends reference? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Well, okay, that was well a... I wouldn't know what that is. No. But I'm, I'm impressed a... with myself that I knew it was Friends. Yeah. I'll take the win there. I'm I'm proud of you for even knowing that. Thank no, you. apparently they made a... And it got like three seasons, didn't it? Episodes. Seasons? Episodes with um, Matt LeBlanc in it. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. I love it. But it's more aimed at a British audience than an American audience, so... That's probably where the appeal comes from. That's strange me. to think about. Yeah. Hmm. So we should probably introduce these two people, <laughs> these two strangers to the just audience. Crash the show. Oh, well, would you two prefer to introduce yourselves to yeah, our cinema sideshow can... audience? Okay. Um, my name is Lucinda. I am Mr. Zeke's girlfriend. Mr. I Zeke. have a background in dancing, and I'm also a teacher. So that's a little bit about me. And I'm Kirsty. I'm Jake's girlfriend. And I'm an instrumental music teacher. Mm, a lot of teachers in this room today. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're an infection. We take over. That's, that's, it. A, that's what happens. And this is especially cool, not just for having you know, the girls around for the first time to talk films with us. Absolutely. But this is the first four-person podcast we've done in about 245 weeks. Yeah. (laughs) We did one way back when. Episode 12. Yes. I mean, and you would have heard the episode with with Jack. Oh, no, you wouldn't have heard that. No, no. A little Um, preview for the future. So was that 2018 then? If it was episode 12? Early 2019. Oh, 2019. It was like March or... Fresh off the back of um, keep... What's his name? Jordan Peele's Us, Us mm. which was the sequel to Get Out. Um, and we had, it was one of those kind of like sprint to the, to Murdoch and, and record kind of episodes. It was kind of chaotic. I mean, obviously having four people on. I mean, if, if I probably will film some of the setup just to see the elaborate nature we've gone yeah, to. Yeah, this is a little nuts mics. right now. <laughs> um, it's pretty crazy. So we'll hope this works out. But uh, look... It's pretty fun having uh, four people on the show. Mm. It's especially fun because I'm looking at all these computers of all these uh, tracks being recorded, and because of the setup, I don't know who's who. <laughs> like, my computer's not my mic, Zeke's computer's not Zeke's mic. It's all topsy-turvy today. Absolutely. So I hope it all sounds okay. Well, we <laughs> normally kick out. off, ladies, with uh, some fun film trivia from our film of the week, mm. that being Burlesque, which was... Picked by predominantly you two, mm. which we'll dive into why you've chosen that film in the second half of the show. But, Kirsty, do you have any fun film trivia facts from the film of the week, Burlesque? Yes. So, um, this is Cher's first musical film she's in, That's even though she's a singer. So Very famous. Yeah. Singer. Quite That's bizarre. That's wild to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And she She's in... um. The Mamma Mia sequel, isn't she? Yeah, so she's actually in Mamma Mia 2. She plays Meryl Streep's mother. 
And there's only several years between Meryl Streep and Cher's actual age. I was going to say, yeah, because they're both coming up there in age. Wow. Yep, yep. So it's kind of crazy. She makes a very exciting entrance in Mamma Mia 2. Definitely worth a watch. Was that your fun trivia fact? It was not my fun trivia fact. You passed half a trivia fact to me and I took it away. My (laughs) trivia fact is actually that Christina Aguilera for Halloween this year dressed as Cher from Burlesque the Movie. Oh, no way. So that was actually her chosen costume. She did a full-fledged photo shoot dressed as the icon that is Cher. Wow. That is pretty mm, cool. There you go. That's full circle right there. Is that? So this was this most recent yeah, Halloween. Yeah, so the most recent Halloween that's just been, that's what Christina Aguilera That's, dressed that's especially as. ballsy because I'm pretty sure the SAG after strike rules said she wasn't allowed to do that. Uh-oh. Really? Yeah, that was a thing that SAG said since they were still on strike during Halloween that you couldn't dress up as a character from, I guess, like a film that was, like, represented by SAG. or Yeah, which is really interesting. It's tricky. Maybe maybe the ambigu- ambiguity of mm. it being Cher as a performer might be a, yeah, an interesting loophole that. there. Or maybe she posted it after Halloween. Yeah, probably. Oh, there you go. Interesting. Well, it's funny because my trivia fact also has to do with Cher, and and we talked a little bit, some age differences, and what I thought was quite interesting is that I think she was on a talk show promoting the film when she mentioned that other than her, the oldest cast member in the film is 32 years old. And, of course, I did check she was about 63 years old when they filmed this in late 2009, early 2010. So it kind of speaks to sort of the mothering nature, the the nurture aspect of her character in the film, that she's uh, almost double the age of the other oldest actor in the film. So, But she is an icon, and she looks she so good for her age. Yeah, she does. So she does. good. So good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go the other routes. Obviously, we've talked about Cher, and we've even touched on a little bit of Christina Aguilera with mm. um, Lucinda's fact. Well, the photo of the seven-year-old Ali with her mother is an actual photo of a much younger Christina Aguilera with her real-life mother, Shelley Kearns, I guess it is. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's always fun seeing those little Easter eggs in there. I know um, way back when we did Cradle, mm. uh, the photo that... Um, Tedra, who's my younger sister, who's the lead actress in that film. Mm. That's actually a photo of, of Sharif's kid. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. Um, yeah, because <laughs> friend of the show, Sharif. Friend of the show, Sharif. Um, that was actually his kid, and I was like, I need footage of like a younger. And I was like, Oh, I've got a friend. He's got a kid, so I can just like go f- film her while she's in the skate park and that's what that footage is mm. to be fair there's plenty of footage of Christina Aguilera because she used to be a Disney child oh right so she was a Disney kid way back when which is kind of ironic that now she's in burlesque yes yeah, kind of time. like a Miley Cyrus situation mm. like that getting rid of the good girl energy changing up the image mm. it's the only mm. way to do it these all these Disney ones they're all they all go that uh edgy route right mm. Logan Paul and all that oh, well, <laughs> the same know. time as um, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake they did yeah they were all on yeah. it together yep oh, yeah they go. did that at the same time pretty much I feel like we're getting lots and lots of extra trivia facts <laughs> because <laughs> there's four of us today I love it 
it's pretty cool. It's oh. pretty also, because cool. you're talking about two iconic people. That's true. Yes. Like, literally, if you ask anyone, even young children, they probably could label one of their songs. Mm. Yeah. They're great. Classics. Well, we can explore a little bit more of that in the second half of the show. We will, but before, and this is my horrible segue into my quote of the week, because <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to get to it. I don't think you've seen this film, Zeke. Okay. But it is from a director that we have fluctuating opinions of, Alexandra Payne. Yes. Uh, the quote is, I'll come up with exactly the same numbers as Larry, 256 to 257. No, I can't say I... I can remember the quote from mm. an Alexander Payne film. Uh, well, I don't think you've seen it. The 1999 film Election. No, I've been meaning... It's kind of been on vague lists to watch, but... Yeah. 99's a big year for film. I get it mixed up with The Celebration, which I think is the Thomas Vinterberg film from like a year earlier than yeah. that. I don't know why, but it's... yeah. Obviously, with Alexander Payne's uh, new film The Holdovers coming out, which looks mm. awesome. Very I'm excited. excited. Have it's about seen, a teacher. I think we saw a trailer for it uh, before Napoleon. If it's anything like Napoleon, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Worst movie ever. I almost fell asleep. Yeah. I mean, we were backing I it onto a frozen. Asleep. We were backing it onto a frozen dance concert. So, mm. after listening to Let It Go and Into the Unknown for the last six months, Napoleon was a definitely a different pace of speed. I mean, the only reason I stayed away through that film is because the the literal fire alarm went off in the cinema and. Exciting. Always <laughs> quite the most exciting part of the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, normally we segue into what we've watched in the last week. Now, is there anything before we sort of do our alternative program that mm. you guys have watched recently that you want to talk about? Uh, well, we watched Whip It. We did watch Whip It. Yeah. I was on Just a little bit of a... Weekend. Yeah. I was on a mission to watch some of Kirstie's favourite films before jumping on this podcast and I only had time for the one <laughs> which was Whip It I mean obviously we watched Burlesque for the show we're going to talk about a little later but yeah no I quite enjoyed Whip It so do you want to give us a little bit of a insight into what it's about um yeah so basically it's about um you know the, this young girl and she kind of um you know her mum kind of wants her to be this um perfect pageant girl right i guess because the the whole journey that the character goes on is she discovers these rollerblader people that are yeah. much more hip and yeah. cool and i think i've watched it have you it stars it. elliot page maybe yeah i remember yeah. stick it yeah. what's the one with the it's the gymnastic <laughs> oh, one stick it. <laughs> it's like um she's but she's like a rebellious skater <laughs> yeah, girl yeah i know what you're talking <laughs> but about but then she I can't remember the name of I it. I think it's called Stick It. Well, or when, is it Stick the Landing? Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Stick the Landing. <laughs> Me and Kirsty, we we made a letterbox list of it films because we know. We I know, watch. I watch everything that ends with it. Apparently. So stick it, whip it. Oh god, what, what was some of the other ones? What's the Michael Jackson one? Oh, this is um, it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Yes, this is it. And. Oh, I can't. I can't think of the others. Yeah, we yeah. got a we got a list somewhere. There were some really funny ones, uh, so, and we just started finding them online. But so when, no, it's definitely Whip It, the one that we're. When someone says you have it, they just mean all of those films. Have you exactly. actually watched it itself? No, <laughs> I haven't oh, watched it. It's because it doesn't have no. enough words before. The exactly. Word. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's not a word before so it. It doesn't count. Exactly. 
Well, speaking of it, I not movie related, but I have been watching movies as well. But non movie related, and the reason it goes with it is because I've been watching Selling Sunsets, which is full of like it girls, and them all stomping around in their massive stilettos, trying to sell houses. So much drama. Excellent, like Christmas wrapping TV shows. Mm. Just mind numbingly boring, but great. Um, But in regards to movies, we've been on the Christmas movie a night. Oh, kind of really? Little calendar, like advent calendar to Christmas. It's quite um, a commitment. It is. It really is. And there's certain Christmas movies that are terrible, as mm. my parents have been finding out through like their Hallmark advent calendar. Ones? No, not the, no. The Hallmark ones you can get through. It's the random ones that are trying to be something that they shouldn't be. Like they're trying to bring something so, to Christmas that's not needed for Christmas. Describe what you mean by that. Like, what do you mean? Like, there's there's sort of like extra over-the-top messaging and just trying to make it out like it's a political statement rather than a Christmas film. Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. But we have watched two brand-new Christmas movies. One was Genie, which has got Melissa McCarthy in it. Okay. Pretty cool. Really did quite enjoy it. It's very much Melissa McCarthy in a Christmas movie, though. So, like, if you're not Mm. a fan of her, as Zeke is not, uh, not going to be a fan of that movie. And the second one is actually an Australian movie, The Jones's Family Christmas. Which, oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, it's actually a really good film. Um, really, really well done. The one downside to the film is the fact that it's about, like, crazy bushfires in Australia mm. and how Australians have to come to terms with the fact that their whole Christmas day could be ruined when living in, like, remote and rural areas. And the one downside to it, which was, like, classic... Hollywood-esque movie Mm. moment was when they've reached a point where there is no return. They cannot evacuate any further. They're standing in a lake and there's bushfire and smoke all around them. And then, spoiler alert, 10 seconds later, the bushfire is like out because the magical fire people arrive at the prime moment and put out the entire bushfire. Magical fire. And you're literally like... Fireman Markiner. But you're literally like, this is no, not realistic. Like, it's unrealistic that this man comes with his little hose and fixes an entire bushfire. A man in his little hose. Yeah, just a man in his little hose. But, um, yes, of course, had to have the magic of Christmas so nobody was allowed to get injured or harmed. But oh, very this is, sweet, this is an very awkward sincere. topic for a Christmas film, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's kind of it's true, though. I mean, we do sort of live in that perpetual state, state of danger mm. coming into December and the fire threats and stuff but it is quite a somber but then then you ask yourself like okay does every christmas film have to just be over the top and happy yeah like um excuse me there is always time for a bow and if you don't know where that quote's from you haven't seen the best christmas movie ever that is not the best christmas movie i ever. love arthur christmas yeah. have you guys seen I arthur christmas can't say no. that i have no. the cutest animated christmas movie ever it's fine. Wait, what year does it come out in? Um, maybe it is sure. a kid watch it. I don't know. It's a nice. It's been like, out it's for a, nice a while. Film. It's a British movie, but it's, oh, it's okay. super cute. Interesting. Yeah, it's a nice film. It's a nice film. I feel like Gremlins is the clear winner for the best. Oh my god, Christmas film. Yes. Well, I mean, there's. That's okay. I'm sure there will be a conversation on on Christmas films. Mm, um, coming very soon. Coming very, very, very <laughs> soon. So, Jake, you, you had an idea to tackle uh, this part of the show. I did. So, yeah, I think it's fun since we've got the girls here to talk a bit, 
you know, as, as boyfriends and girlfriends do and partners, they tend to sort of push each other into directions of the film landscape that that we may have not otherwise explored. So I think it might be fun. I think it would be fun to start with what films have the girls forced me and Zeke to watch respectively? What films? I mean, for us, Whip It was... I wouldn't say that you forced me to. I was actually very excited to watch Whip It. Mm. I'm going to have to yeah. double check my letterbox for this one. But I'm I, also going to have to ask, does it include films that we fell asleep during? <laughs> Are you referring to... Well, Napoleon, we had to watch on the show. No, I didn't fall asleep <laughs> in Napoleon. I'm on about the one time I try to get you to watch Grease. Oh, yeah, I did get forced. That's a really good one, actually. I got definitely coerced into watching Grease. You didn't get coerced. You didn't finish watching it. No, no. But he's but he's asking, like, how, like, what films did you, like, say, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> let's watch this film. Grease would definitely be one. And, yes, I did fall asleep halfway through. The last thing I remember is a bunch of dudes singing Grease Lightning and then I fell asleep a little bit and then woke back up and Olivia Newton-John is singing into a pool, fell asleep again. To be fair, that was me with Lord That's- of the Rings. They just seem to be hairy men just stabbing each other every <laughs> single time I close my eyes and reopen them. The face Zeke just pulled and he said that. Yeah. He's not a happy man right now. We didn't watch it together, which okay. is good. Because um, I think... I which is good. Which is, I feel like I would have I cried. I'm, I'm going to have to have a quick look through here because... I can't follow Lord of the Rings. It's too long. Really? It's yeah. Too long. No, I'm it not a very fan. I um, did not enjoy it whatsoever. I get really restless. Like I can't watch movies that are like more than an hour and a half. For Plus, me. Have you, so have you actually attempted Lord of the Rings? Have you started watching them? And no, no, I haven't. Okay, it's just, yeah. it's just very daunting. Yeah, it is. Especially yeah. the twenty-hour extended cuts that. <laughs> See, my opposite problem is that it just seemed like a lot of effort, this mm. little journey they're going on. And, mm. yeah, it's just, it was it was a long, long oh, effort. I, I like, and I was just not here for it. First off, man with little hose, and then now, like, oh, their big journey, the little effort they put in. I, I like this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not here for it. There's, there's a good stint here. So in about April this year, I did Bad Mums, A Bad Mums Christmas, Murder Mystery, Murder Mystery 2, Crazy Rich Asians. I know. Oh, and then a day, a couple of days later, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. But you enjoyed Miss Harris. But he, I did enjoy Miss Harris. You also enjoyed Crazy Rich Asians. And I really enjoyed Crazy Rich Asians. I did not care for the other. Four yeah, but to be fair, list. Bad Mums was just on TV. Neither of us were actually participating. Yeah, that's true. Ticket to Paradise didn't like that. You really liked oh, that. Kirsty's seen Ticket to Paradise. Yeah, it's yeah, the wedding yeah. One. yeah, yeah. It's it a very sweet. Sweet little movie to watch. It's it, yeah, one that we did watch together that I reckon mm. is probably the best film we've like stumbled on and like just both collectively enjoyed was Bullet Train. Yes. Oh okay. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. No, you're also forgetting about that movie that I accidentally downloaded in the wrong language two seconds before we hopped on a flight. Yeah, it was like um. <laughs> I genuinely can't remember what it was called. I personally thought it was a great movie. Zeke, not so much. Oh. It was like a, a Belgium or Danish film. And Luce forgot to check that it, because it had the English title and she didn't see the, the, the subtitle under it. That's oh, like, oh, I, I literally downloaded it in an airport two seconds before we hopped on a yeah. flight because we knew we'd be stuck on a Jetstar flight for four hours with nothing yeah. to do. To be fair, it had an interesting storyline. Had it been in English, it would have been a lot easier to follow. 
Um, especially, Just maybe. <laughs> especially with all the turbulence where you're like, oh, okay, lost the subtitles, never mind. But yeah, to be see, honest, I, I, I don't usually, I don't usually watch films. But then when it comes to flights, I'm like, films are my savior because. Mm. <laughs> well, I think like, King Richard was a big one on the plane for you. Yeah, yeah, that was really good because I love my tennis. Yeah, mm. I, I go to the tennis every year um, in Perth. I just, I just love it. Yeah. Mm. We're gonna go in January, I think. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Novak Djokovic is playing. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so should be really good. But I wouldn't so. say I've been coerced into too many, too many films. This film would probably be one burlesque that we that was definitely one that you advocated for. But for the most part, no. We we tend to give and take with a lot of films. I pro- there's yeah. probably a few films I've taken you to that we, you would have never gone to. There are many a film that on a weekend, right before a podcast Monday, it's a, <laughs> I have to go see this film, Are You Coming? And I'm very much like, show me a trailer. If I have free time, then sure. And then I sit there and go, what on earth are we watching? Having said that, the one that surprised me this year has to be the fact that we did the Barbie Oppenheimer back to back. And I hated Barbie. I you really hated didn't Barbie. like oh, it. Oh, interesting. Really, really didn't enjoy it. Like, literally, I would say Ryan Gosling was my favourite character mm. and he was, like, the only thing that I enjoyed. Wow. Yeah, like, I really despised it. And then we went straight into Oppenheimer and by this point I was already kind of like, oh, this is becoming a real waste of my day. And then Oppenheimer <laughs> was phenomenal. Like, I literally was raving to people about Oppenheimer. Yeah. And I was like, just skip Barbie. Like, it's not worth wow, it. Wow, that's crazy. I was like, the costumes are great. But, like, the rest of it, I was just like, nah, nah, I'm not here for it. Just, yeah, not known to the humour. No, yeah. I think my problem as well was is that, you know, I grew up with Barbie dolls. Like, I literally had boxes and boxes of Barbie dolls mm. growing up. And the fact that they tried to turn it into some feministic, like, blur kind of, like, mm. thing towards the end. And it was kind of like, you know, even then you're sitting there as a female and out of the whole movie the male character won because he was the better, funnier character. He got the great song, everything else. And it's just kind of a bit disappointing. We did, we did actually talk about how it does feel like Ken kind of gets that really big moment and that's kind of the moment that sits with people, I think. I mean, and, and we did talk a little bit on our episode about sort of the ambiguity of that ending um, mm. and sort of what to take from it. Um, but I definitely was higher on that film than than loose was but yeah. we both collectively i think we both agreed that we've enjoyed oppenheimer more yeah well um, we we kind of we kind of did a half but i mean i did the full barbenheimer we did oppenheimer first me and my mates and then kirsty joined us for the the mm. barbie section or dressed in all black appropriately excellent <laughs> yeah yeah that was part of um, the protest yeah I, I i'm really not a fan of the color pink so i thought I'm just going to wear all black. Just, you know. We did all pink. We did the opposite. We did all pink. Oh, there you yeah. go. Um. I then regretted it deeply. <laughs> oh, but I think I think we enjoyed Barbie. Quite. I mean, we were, we were yeah. laughing. We enjoyed the humour. Yeah, I really enjoyed the humour in it. Yeah, and anything like Jake knows anything. Anything that isn't emotionally draining, I'm going to enjoy. <laughs> or yeah. that's not overstimulating, I'm also going to enjoy. I think my problem as well was the ending of it was so weak. And I hate movies that I sit through and the endings are just 
nothing. Like, mm. you've gone on this journey with these characters, you've involved yourself in their lives, you know, you've involved yourself in this story, and then it gets to the end and it's just like, full stop. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, I need more answers. I need I, more... But to speak to that point, and this is, I think this is something fascinating, is a good week after me and Kirsty watched it, I remember us sitting in Hil- like the Hillary's Park just talking about the ending and the, the kind of the journey the characters went on. And, like, we rarely ever have that much of a conversation about films after we had seen it. And in terms of, I mean, for me, and not to spoil Barbie, if you even consider it to be spoilers for Barbie, but just the fact that she goes on this trip of, like, okay, well, she's this doll that hasn't had real experiences of, like, fear and shame and anxiety and all the things that she experiences in the real world. And at the end, she, quote-unquote, chooses to be human. And it's very ambiguous the way it's presented but i think we had a lot of interesting conversations about what that meant for those characters i i think we quite liked the ambiguous ending in that sense yeah i think that's totally fair i think the film that i i stick out that was like the most wacky that we've done Mm. um but then has actually stuck the landing was definitely everything everywhere all at once that was like an acid trip But it made sense in the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that is actually the first film me and Kirsty saw together, period. Yeah. And I didn't comprehend any of it. <laughs> I really didn't. I, I just, my brain couldn't keep up. Well, you were talking about overstimulation and, exactly. and that film is just... I got to that section where it was just bright light and just moving patterns. And I think mm. I was like, the whole world makes sense to me now. Like, I understand <laughs> everything. Even Everywhere, though I understand all at once. nothing. <laughs> but it, that was definitely great. I, I think the show, though, is a show that is the thing that sort of we've talked about since day one and we've really enjoyed watching has always been Only Murders in the Building. I think that's been the, mm-hmm. the show that we enjoy, we actively talk about and seek out and yeah, conversations about. We haven't quite found... I mean, Lucy introduced me to Shit's Creek and... Um, I got the DVD box set. Yeah, over there somewhere. We'll do like series. We tend to enjoy watching series more together. I think than the the yeah. movie going experience. We'll, we'll talk about our serieses in a minute. Yeah. yeah, our lifestyle just doesn't suit watching movies, and also mm. the fact that you know, I'm I work after school hours as well, meaning that by the time I get home, it's like eight o'clock, and you sit there and you're like, oh, if we put on a movie now, it's going to be like eleven before we go to sleep. Mm. So. And, yeah, we tend to be really, really busy doing other things. Yeah. And also then it takes us about 20 minutes to finally rock, paper, scissors, whose choice of movie gets to go. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, when it comes to going to the cinemas, we honestly we haven't had a very good run in terms of good movies. We've had a lot of that middle of the road. Like you talked about Napoleon, we both hated Elvis. Yeah, um, it was enough. that was the yeah. second movie me and Kirsty saw, mm. and that was also incredibly overstimulating. Yeah, but then I mean, we've had good ones in there, like good ones, like Haunting in Venice, and yeah, um, yeah, like Everything Everywhere. We both still liked, but yeah, I can't even think of how many times we've been to Luna to watch movies. I don't think we've actually been that many times to Luna. Nah, we have been to a lot of movies, but like even when we have downtime and we're like, oh. We could go to the movies. We either have seen everything mm-hmm. or there's nothing decent playing and we're like, mm, yeah, no, nah, I don't really want to watch that. Mainly also because the movies have gotten really expensive and it's like I don't want to waste my money going to see something that mm. I might not like. And the hardest part is is that 
you know, when you consider that you're playing for Netflix and Stan and Disney Plus and all these other ones, so, like, every month you're paying, like, $60, why would you then pay $20 to go to the movies mm. to run the risk of seeing something that you don't enjoy? I mean, that's something that I think me and Kirsty have been gravitating towards because I got rid of a lot of my subscriptions recently and Kirsty used to have Netflix and Stan? Yeah, Netflix yeah. and Stan, yeah. But I've been... the Lately, I've just been, like, SPS On Demand... ABC iView, just all these free services that some have ads, some don't even have ads. They're just free and adless, and that's actually how we rewatched um, Burlesque the other mm. day. It was through Apple iView, which has no ads and, and no subscription, nothing. Um, but also with the cinemas, it's just you got to play that game. you got to find what what's the cheapest one, and you get that lunar, um, like, what's it called, the... The card that you get, like the um, membership card, oh, whatever yeah, you call yeah. it, and then you can get like the twelve dollar movies, and there's ways to play it. The good thing yeah. at Hoyts and events is that you can get cheaper cinema tickets if you're an RAC member. Oh, well, there you go. So there you go. Perfect. But we we almost got caught out with Napoleon because we were going to go and watch it on like a Friday night, and the only screening that they had was Locks, and we mm. were like, and I'm so glad that we did change our mind and go and see it on the Saturday because otherwise it was going to cost us like seventy five dollars. To go see Crazy. the movie, and then we both left, and we were like, we hated it. Yeah, that yeah. sucks when you pay a lot of money. And oh yeah, it you, you don't off. enjoy it. What series have you guys caught? Yeah, so I was I'm looking at this list of films that we've seen, and it kind mm. of makes me ashamed of of how much I forced Kirsty to watch and how little. <laughs> no, well, okay. In in defense but, for you, Jake. Yes, that's that's our job. I mean, mm. we're we're the forces, really. I'm looking at the list there, and. I'm like, well, there's a lot of films that Lucinda's had to compromise on. Um, yeah. I mean, it comes with being the, the film lover, the the avid... I mean, you didn't really watch... You watched a fair few movies, but it's like with you, Kirsty, you didn't really watch too many movies until you met Jake, right? Like that's No, no. I was just watching TV shows because I really don't have a very long attention span. So, um... you know... Any episode longer than 45 minutes of a TV show. Like, I prefer just to see things in small chunks and not watch something that's. That leads us to the one show that we've watched together that you got me onto was Plebs. Oh, I love Plebs. So, can you explain (laughs) what Plebs is about? Um, So, it's set set in ancient Rome, Mm. but there's a lot of kind of modern aspects to it, like. um, like speed dating and and that kind of thing, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to describe because every every episode is quite different. Mm. Um, but my absolute favourite character is Young Gromeo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love him. He he's the one that always talks about food like every minute of the day. So I'm like. I can fully relate to him. <laughs> Is it um, a British comedy? Yes, like British, yeah, British um, comedy. Well, you would like that then, wouldn't you? Um, it's, oh, Grumio is just my fave character. So funny. Yes, I even have a plebs mug, which I think um, Jake's mum gave me, and also <laughs> a plebs T-shirt as well. And so I, got, I got you plebs I've even uh, got the coasters. Merch. Oh, yes, and coasters. <laughs> I've even got all the merch. Look at now, you, you're like a well. super fan for the show. I yeah, I do look like a real fan now. With <laughs> and it yeah. was great because uh, and the movie. Yeah, came this out time as last well. year they made a movie. 
That's so, so exciting. it got the five seasons in a movie treatment. Got, got the full yeah. in betweeners treatment. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just, just like Breaking Bad, because we were saying that Breaking Bad had five seasons and, and a movie. movie. Yeah, and it's one true. of your favourites. Well, that's the one so, I forced Kirstie to watch, was that and Better Call Saul, which was a much longer task. <laughs> Because we're talking like 120 hours. Yeah, so when we look at our movie list, it doesn't look that long, but it's just because we spent like at least a year just on those two TV shows, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. But I I guess this is... a huge task. This is the moment. I think now's the perfect time you have to say, which did you prefer, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? Oh, mm, it's tough, actually. I... I don't know. I, I liked both of them. I, I, I <laughs> Very don't, diplomatic. I, I, don't know, I don't know how to describe. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Um, I found the end of um, Better Call Saul quite tough to watch. Okay. Yeah. Um, when when Jimmy, you know, goes. Beep, 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 beep. They, they, so they they haven't seen it yet. Although at this I've, point, I, Zeke, are you ever gonna I, watch it? I've, I've, Thinks so. I've got Stan. I can do it. I've got Lucinda Stan. Gotta hurry up. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> You're welcome. No worries. I'm I'm here to assist you in profiting no, off of me. Thank you. I, I like. I was I tempted like to just let long. you spoil it because I am annoyed at how long Zeke's taken to watch Sorry. the show. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like though that Breaking Bad was um like always very fast paced and there was always uh kind of yeah new things going on. Mm. Whereas sometimes well I I liked Better Call Saul but sometimes. Um, you know, there was like a lot of conflict between like two characters and it sometimes right. like dragged on a little bit, but the stakes yeah. weren't quite as life and death as they were in Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the start of Breaking Bad was like really exciting. Best mm. pilot in T V history. Mm. Yeah. Like definitively that first episode of Breaking Bad, that seventy five minute pilot is the best episode of television, I reckon. And it's incredible. Um, It's incredible how quickly Walt's character changes as well, Mm. which I found really fascinating. How he seems so, um, you know, just quiet and innocent, and then suddenly you just see a a really um, outspoken and quite blunt sort of character. Mm. I think the more I rewatch, the each time I watch Breaking Bad, I start to hate Walt earlier. Every time I watch it. And I think... I mean, it was quite early for you. I think, like, by season two, you're already like, he's such an arsehole, I don't like him. <laughs> and then, and then yeah, there was me, like, yelling at the TV, like, when Walt did... I'm like, not again, why? Oh, you so got to watch it. You've got to yeah. give it time. never seen it. You've got to give it time. Crazy. Never seen it at all. Having said that, the kids for Mock-Up Day did take over the science labs and created a fake Breaking Bad scene. That's amazing. So, oh, that's yeah, they went and bought all their own test tubes, created all this blue liquid, and, yeah, completely dominated all the science labs, pretending that they had their own Breaking Bad scene. Mm. Wow. I wonder what scene it was. Who knows? Let them cook. Let them cook. But I, I guess before we move on, Kirsty, are you happy that we went on this Breaking Bad journey together? Yes, oh. yes, definitely. Excellent. Yeah, it's like nothing I've seen before. I've never seen so many gunshots in like <laughs> one <laughs> TV series. Yeah, because I, I don't, I don't usually watch that kind of stuff. No. I, I'm very much just into my my comedy, 
Well, so it's kind of funny. So we, we had this thing. There was a certain point when, when I was like, oh, I'm going to give Kirsty a little heads up before there's any like, sudden gunshots, you know, just because of the jolt of the sound. Yeah. So there was a certain point in Breaking Bad when I started doing that. And I've, because I watched the show religiously, I know we 99% of the time when a gunshot's about to happen. And then when we got to Better Call Saul, we would go like an entire season. I'd be like, nobody shoots a gun for an entire season in the show. And just, like, those kind of details you start to pick up on. You're like, wow, like, just interesting. And yeah. then we watched yeah. The Dark Knight in cinema. <laughs> and I was like, let me know when, like, there's a jump scare. Oh, yeah, it was, like, every and, two um, seconds. And it was, like, every two seconds. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, right. Well, <laughs> like, you don't even need to warn me. I guess just at any moment something's You just have to accept happen. it's happening. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I might have miscalculated on um that whole thing with... Mm. Uh, <laughs> How how loud that film is! It is very very loud. Yeah, it was. Well, I think the only other thing we watched together it was um was Bodies, which I did talk about a few weeks ago on the oh, show. Oh yeah, Bodies. Um, but that ended up being a really cool murder sort of crime thriller with that sci-fi element, and mm. um, we really enjoyed that. We got that. We got onto that because uh, your parents were watching it, and then we went from yeah, there. absolutely fascinating and so cleverly done. Because you can actually see how the storyline is created. Like, there's no loose ends that don't make sense. Right. Like, even when you come to the resolution, it's not like you're sitting there going, nah, that wouldn't have worked. Like, it's actually really, really intelligently done. But it's also one of those TV shows where literally from the very beginning of the first episode, you almost have to be looking for clues Mm. because they're all going to come back later. Like, you're just sitting watching and you're like, oh, my God, I now know who it is and how it's going to happen and everything else. So, very exciting. Excellent. High praise. For very high praise. High very praise. High praise. Well, Definitely worth it. Jake, before the ladies hijack this segment of the show, <laughs> we're moving into our film of the week. We are. We but what are. are we watching? This week on the show, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, we're watching Burlesque. Come on, we have a show. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> And you're in my mirror because? I've never seen anything like this before. Great enthusiasm, terrible timing. Isn't that the chick that was backstage yesterday? I want to be up there. I want to do that. Question is, do you have the talent? Because you're on. What is she doing up there? I think she's auditioning. Hey, Dave, cut it! Just tell me what you're looking for. I'm looking for someone who can do the routine. Now, you want to show me something? Show me that. Drop the curtain. Come on, let's go. Hold it. Where's the curtain? Tell me you could sing like that. What are you so excited about? She's your replacement. Here, put this on. If you fall off the stage, leg extended, boobs up. You killed it tonight. Thanks, Jack. You like her. What's the proposal exactly? <laughs> Just yes or no. It's fun being a girl, isn't it? Beautiful. 
Remember, with that, don't. Pull the trigger. Let me hear you say it. Any questions? The Burlesque Lounge has its best days behind it. Tess, a retired dancer and owner of the venue, struggles to keep it going and keeping that theatre alive, facing all kinds of financial and artistic challenges. With the lounge, troop members becoming increasingly distracted by personal problems and a threat of coming from a wealthy businessman, quest to buy the spot from Tess, the good fortune seems to have abandoned the club altogether. Just explain the entire plot of the movie. Just <laughs> I kid you not. That is the letterbox <laughs> the description. That oh is not a logline. That is a synopsis. Um, Holy crap. Burlesque. Let's yeah. do it. So I guess best way to start, I think all four of us were sort of introduced to burlesque in, in different periods of time. So um, Solely through Lucinda for me. Well, I was going to say, would, would would you be the person who was the youngest when you watched this film? Probably like a million years ago and <laughs> every single year since. I love it. How can you go wrong? Christina Aguilera, Cher, two crazy iconic voices together. Mm. I listen to the soundtrack in the car. I know all of the songs off by heart. I was dancing the whole way through the movie while Zeke was trying to watch it. So, Zeke got double entertainment. That's it. I wasn't I wasn't complaining. But the funny thing is, despite all this enthusiasm, the person who actually put this film forward wasn't Lucinda. It was actually Kirsty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, it sounds like actually you watched it, you know, quite a while before I did because I only watched it a year or two ago. I just found it on Stan. Mm. And any film to do with the music, I'm like... I'm on board. Um, I mean, some films, some music films kind of aren't. Um, as the, the Piano Teacher? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw this film, The Piano Teacher. I thought, oh, that looks nice. I was traumatised after it. And then it wasn't until um, Jake read all the reviews. He's like, yeah, it's, it's not just you. Other people, like, struggle to watch it from start to finish. Um, yeah, a bit deceptive, beautiful, I think. A beautiful musical film that you can watch, though. Music and lyrics, also another obsession. Oh, Absolutely okay. love it. It's got Hugh Grant in it, and he pretends to be, like, a pop star from the 70s. It's oh. it's great, though. It's so good. It gives, like, um, Bridget Jones vibes mixed in with, like, Love Actually. It's very cute. Oh, there you go. Yep. Excellent. And, of course, Drew Barrymore's in it, so it's cute. Oh, there you go. So Drew what, Barrymore directed Whip It. There you Fun go. Fun little fact right there. It's like a circle of movies over it here. It is, it is. So what was it about burlesque that put it to the forefront? If you like musical films, that's great. Yeah, but yeah. what about burlesque stood out for you? Well, um, I was saying to Jake, like, usually I, I generally like a film if I can relate somewhat to mm. the main character. And Ali, who's the main character... Um, she really wanted to go after her dream of becoming a performer. Mm. And that's what, you know, I had always sort of um, dreamed about myself growing up with music and, you know, kind of going from a small town and then finding her people later in life. And I related to that because that's how I felt when I 
went to university and studied music I'm like I found my group of people and this is what I want to do and I guess then I felt that connection to the main character Mm. and that's what I really enjoyed and I love obviously Christina Aguilera's voice like it just gives me goosebumps I love (laughs) listening to her sing it's such an interesting voice I've always thought it was interesting but particularly hearing it in this film it's it's such a because um, the only barometer I could compare it to was uh, Chicago with uh, Renee Zellweger's voice, but it's it's even more high pitched than that at points. Um, but it is it's such a unique voice, mm. and it's interesting to see that she hasn't done more musical films post this film, at least that I could recollect. I mean, this she, she's not in a Mamma Mia sequel as well. No, not uh, in a Mamma Mia sequel. Unfortunately, damn. I know. Funny thing is, though, is that Kristen um, Kristen Bell's in the movie as well. Yeah, with ginger hair. Yeah, and it really she's throws very you out. Unrecognizable. In yeah, this, I thought. Which is funny because she doesn't really sing in this movie, but she is also Anna from Frozen. Of she course. Really is. So she does sing. Um, yeah. There you go. But doesn't sing in this particular movie. No, I think she's a little self-obsessed in this movie as the character Nikki. Oh yeah, attitude. Sass, yeah, the bitchy one. <laughs> yeah, the top dog that gets taken down a few pegs. Mm. Yeah, and she pulls it off so well. <laughs> she really does. She really does. Yeah. I also absolutely love the guy that plays the costume designer, and his Tess is like, oh yeah, little go-to man. Yeah, who fixes all the problems. <laughs> like he has the best lines throughout the entire movie. He's the uh, like, the fortune cookie. He's got little, little <laughs> pieces of wisdom. Oh, Sean. 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 Yeah. That's it. Yeah, Sean, he was yeah. one of my favourite characters too because he was always um, looking out for Tess. And even when things seemed like they were falling apart, he would always have something good to say. And He was like the rock he was. in that relationship. Yeah, he, he definitely was. Well, I mean, speaking of Sean and particularly his role in the film as the costume designer, at least in front of the camera, mm-hmm. that is one of the big highlights of this film is is obviously the lavish and different costumes it's a very classic cabaret sort of mm. uh, format and uh, what's interesting is they're going to turn it into a broadway musical n- like next year 2024 they're bringing burlesque uh, as a broadway musical surprise, so it's gonna really be really timing. interesting to see how the costuming goes Especially the scene where the pearls are off and the feathers are covering everything. Well, and yeah, yeah, very risque. The risque little moment, mm. like interesting to see how they're gonna panel that out without clever camera angles and everything mm. else. I think and I think you do raise a good point there. Even just having that sort of conversation about movie to Broadway musical translation, because. You know, we've talked a little bit about it on the show, but not excessive. We've talked about it a lot, particularly with Chicago mm. and that 2002 film, which was one of the other films we were debating doing for this. Mm. And how, that or Twilight. Yeah, and how different <laughs> the movie version was to what you see in the Broadway musical. They don't have any of the lavish costumes. It's completely oh, reserved. It's, well, it I actually, sucks I compared to the movie. I actually saw Chicago last year at... Um, Planet Royale in the city. Okay. And their stage is bizarre because it has no backstage. It is oh. like, it is literally like 
I wouldn't wings. even. It's really not deep either. I would say it's only a couple of meters deep, mm. and it's a very very small setting. Um, I also watched a chorus line there this year, okay. and the clever trickery that they have to do because there's no access for changing people or anything else. So every single person is on stage almost the entire time. Yeah. Okay. Which is a really interesting twist and an interesting way that you have to do things when you are considering these massive Broadway dancing numbers mm. in such a small space. And, I mean, that kind of comes back to the, the film of the week because obviously, like um, Luce and, and Kirsty have pointed out, in that particular number where they're going through multiple costume changes, yeah. we're not seeing it cut to backstage and they're switching. We're watching the, the costume changes occur yeah. in real time as the camera like follows mm. Aguilera through the, the song. I would also say that the hardest part that they're going to have to deal with, and this is a real spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, is the concept <laughs> of when she's standing on the like rich guy that's picked her up's balcony yeah. and he's talking about air rights. Like, oh, how nice. are you going to yeah. do that on stage? Yeah. You know, because she's got to be standing out looking at a view and that's how she ends up saving Tessa's business because the they buy the air rights. It kind, of, it kind of goes into the whole, like, stage and screen translation is how many location jumps you can have and, like, like how many costume changes you can have. And I have to say, so this was the first time I watched this film and I didn't really have much expectation at all. Um, and I think one of the things I loved about it the most, especially in that first half, is it almost kind of felt like the whole film did take place inside the club. It was almost like a stage play, one location thing. And that you know, every now and then it's like, oh, we're going to go to, um, is it Jack, Jack's apartment? And then we're going to go right back into the club and then here's like a few more dance numbers and scenes. And I was almost a little disappointed when the film started venturing further away from that. Yeah. When you were it's like, oh, now we're doing air rights. Like, okay, it's a bit random, but sure. <laughs> I guess it, it is. A, it's a, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of seemingly comes out of nowhere, but it's always sort of trickled throughout the plot. Well, and... it's funny because Kirsty caught, there's one little clue at the start of the film Kirsty caught on to is mm. when I guess she first is about to walk into the club. Yeah. And there is a shot of the tower that she's eventually in and sees. At the very beginning. Yeah. And I remember Kirsty next to me be like, Oh, they set it up here. And I was like, what? And she's like, you'll find out. You'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Love a little Easter egg early on to yeah. try and like little... hint and sprinkle. And then you go, ah, it all makes sense. So they're kind of. I just like. Yeah. So yeah, you see that apartment building yeah. like as one of the first things before she enters the yeah. club. And it, and it tells you, okay, this is where the story's going to go mm. later in the film. I just like that from the get-go, even when she's, like, wandering around the city trying to find a job, the beats that go with the walking, that mm. go with the pace, and all of it is, like, there are not very many moments where there is not music playing. Right. Whether it be mm. singing or just ambience, like, background music, like, it really is a great musical in that sense. Mm. But also it keeps the same jazz, burlesque kind of Broadway undertone. Yeah. And I think that, you know, even Tess's big ballad that's very much a softer, more, like, muted in the sense of music mm. in that it's got very simple kind of backing track, it's still such a great song and so powerful and so strong. And I tend to find with musicals that there's usually one or two songs or one or two sections where you're like, okay, cool, get over it, we're done with the ballad. Yeah. Like, you're ruining the tempo, <laughs> you're ruining the vibe. Like, 
you know, this is too much and it doesn't have any of that, which is really, really nice. Like it's mm. quite upbeat, quite heavy going. Well, we were even, me and Kirsty, when we were watching it, just com- commenting on how much attention is brought to mm. all the songs and, and all the pieces. Where it's, when you watched it first. Yeah. And, and like I said, going back to that, oh, this feels like we're just in the club and the whole movie's in the club. It's like that, there's so much attention to that. And it's not like they're, in, they're randomly interweaving pieces and songs into a narrative. It's like, okay, the narrative is completely guided by the song choices. Yeah, it's very direct. Mm. And it definitely leans into the, the organism that is the club. And uh, that helps with raising the stakes and, and adding real validity to Cher's character mm. um, in Tess because um, we really get a sense of what it's like to exist in this club and this microcosm through yep. through Ali's character and her enamoured nature and, and slow seduction into this sort of lifestyle. And I think that that, yeah, means that the music needs to be really impactful. And, and, and like you said, it is very, very explicit, um, the songs, to where mm. the story is at in terms of its beats. Yep. Um, I also like that the script is very much, and the way that the characters interact feels realistic. Like, you know, that kind of flirty, like, bantery kind of interaction between Jack and Allie is very realistic yeah. of what of what people are like in the workplace when they're into each other. Mm. But also, like, the concept of, like, Cher, how she's the boss, she's, like, the mama of all the girls, mm. you know, she's there and everybody knows she's top dog. Like, no one's there. I mean, Nikki's there trying to, like, stir stuff. But that's because she's known Cher forever. You know, right. she's known Tessa's character forever. But, like, even then, you know, the fact that she, like, stomps on her and is like, no, you're not going to do that here. But the way that then she has that beautiful moment with Christina showing her how to do her makeup because all the other girls have yeah. left her out. I mean, I would love to know if Cher can actually do eyeliner that well because, honey, come to my house. Like... <laughs> Because that, the way that she just brushes it straight on, I'm like, you're an artist. You're an artist. There you go. She's perfected it. Perfected it. <laughs> yep. And then the wing eyeliner trend was born. Yeah. Was it born from this film? I don't know. I feel like it probably was or shortly after. I definitely think it was spurred along. Mm. Well, the, the, I guess that whole thing with Ali, like we said, when she first sort of walks into the club, it's just that immediate proactive like please i need to work here like i I have this like energy in me that i have to disperse and get out there and show the world that i'm capable of this and um it's interesting because i guess as she don't ask don't get exactly yeah the older is it a bobby trick right there yes (laughs) yeah don't ask don't get she gave me the best advice and that's what ali showed during the whole film like she was very proactive and just you know, showed everyone that this is what I want to do, and I'll do anything to mm. go after it. And what's interesting as well was she kind of she's slowly getting what she wants throughout the whole film. She's you know starting to do dance numbers. She gets the opportunity to sing, and what happens is we get this this rich asshole just comes just comes Marcus, in Marcus yeah. just comes in just to ruin everything. But what's the interesting dilemma there for her now is okay, well this is inferior an opportunity to advance her career which is she's been trying to do the whole time but at the expense of the family she's now sort of it's brought it's, along. Yeah. it's the castle in skimpies <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, 
But I love that the whole concept of it is, you know, women in pretty skimpy outfits, you know, dancing around, singing and everything else. And yet there are no feminist messages. There's no aggressive, like, you know, powerful oh speeches about, oh, we're all women and that's how we're going to fix the problem. Like it just is a great show with really strong female characters, mm. you know, and really strong female characters that a lot of people can relate to. You know, like Kirsty said, she relates to Ali, mm. you know, that kind of concept of stepping out of your boundaries and learning new things about yourself. But at the same time, we didn't even force down our throat what the message of the story was because the story is so strong and cohesive and the fact that they've written the songs to go with the movie, mm. you know, and it all links together. There's no moments where you're going, why on earth are we watching this? Like, where has this come from? Where has this song come from? What is happening? Mm, you know? Well, the obvious thing they could have done as well is that when Ali starts, she's like, oh, like, aghast. Oh, burlesque. Oh, why are they all so skimpy? And she never has that. Uh, she's just kind of straight away into it. And they, they do have that line very early on where it's like, oh, this isn't a strip club. They kind of get that out of the way. But I do think of films like Rocky Horror Picture Show where that's almost the whole point is like here are some preppy, like, uh, pristine well, behind glass. that sort Yeah, of we're going to corrupt of- them with you know, sexual thoughts and ideas. Like, they don't waste any time with this. It's like, no, she's immediately into this and wants to be a part of it. Yeah, and- it definitely has the... It's the Moulin Rouge aspect too. It's like the, the Hugh McGregor character in that film. It's mm. It's... Being I enamored with this. I still haven't seen it either. Oh, okay. The closest I got was <laughs> on a bus in Paris with 65 high school students. Yeah, it didn't so it did not happen. Oh, fair but enough. like you said, it's taking <laughs> these characters and getting them enamored and just invested into the lifestyle. And I think yeah. that that's sometimes, and it is a relatively simple plot. It's this per, it's this person and this family's home and that's being uprooted by a rich capitalistic figure i mean mm. it's a, a tale as old as time so then what does this offer that's different well it offers us this unique perspective entertaining numbers and great choreography mm. and these things are what we want to really see in musicals to be honest if we have great choreography it's not just people standing and singing that's sometimes all you need yeah but i would also say as well that like you know it's kind of portraying a very soft core sex industry. But, mm. you know, it's kind of displaying that pole dancing, heading towards stripper vibes. But the thing about it is, is that they haven't over-sexualized it. Mm. Like, it's not like you're sitting watching it going, whoa, okay, that's a bit too much. I didn't need to see that. But also, it's displaying it in a way of, like, the more being a team and the more being a family and working together. But at the same time, you know, she's come from hardship but they're also not portraying like she's got stuck in that industry. Like she wants to be there. Yeah. She wants to be entertaining. And on top of that, they also then don't lead to like, you know, that she's hanging around with a whole bunch of drug lords or anything crazy like mm. that, which is often a very stereotypical perception that we get shown in regards to that kind of industry. Looking at Magic Mike. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, when you consider dance, like, you know, a lot of kids, well, not necessarily kids, but like older teens will have done some form of performance where they're in fishnets or stockings or whatever. And although that is trying to be reduced to prevent inappropriate behavior and whatsoever, mm. you know, it's it's not rare for that to happen because that's what Broadway is. Yeah. Broadway is that kind of 
somewhat sexual jazz with, you know, the hints of the singing, but not singing in a normal tone, singing in that like husky voice that like it is kind of selling sex, but in a more professional, entertaining manner. Yeah. I think, like I said, it goes back to the at the core of the story. It's about the family, the, this found family that Ali has found that these people have sort of fested together, and that's what's at stake. Is you know this, you know millionaire guy Marcus coming out, not coming out of nowhere, but just like kind of preying on them. And I'm going to take this business and manipulate it into my own thing. And and for Tess and for all of them, it's just like no, I don't want to lose my family. So I mean, that's sort of the because that's at its heart. I think it's sort of ricochets to everything where it's like this is a core story that I think is very appealing excellent do we have any final thoughts before we jump into our highlight scenes Ooh. I think it's going to be a bit tricky well I'll ask before we jump into highlight I'll just ask what what did we all think of the editing because it's sort of it's smack bang two hours from memory I remember thinking in parts it was very fast yeah like it feels yeah. like a lot of plot points happen it definitely but, moves at a phonetic pace. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, it also weirdly feels like it could have been shorter at the same time. If it was very paradoxical in my I mind. feel like it's the perfect amount of time. I feel like it's okay. got the perfect amount of same. costume changes. Yeah. It's got the right amount of mixed music and mixed choreography. Okay. And my thing as well that I really appreciate is that while Christina Aguilera and Kristen Bell because obviously Kristen Bell originally is supposed to be the it girl. Right. And while Christina Aguilera is then becomes the it girl, I appreciated, and they often do this when they pick a big name, mm. is that they then pick backup dancers that are equal to or not as good as the main star. Right. Or they tend to have the main star standing still, stagnant, doing a lot of the singing and not doing much of the dancing, mm. because obviously... A lot of the time, these stars are not very good at dancing. Like, they're not triple threats, which is perfectly fine. Or alternatively, they can sing, they can dance, and their acting is horrendous. But I would say (laughs) that this was a really good mix of the characters, and I would probably say that they trained a lot for it. But Mm -hmm. then at the same time, when you're in a movie with someone like Cher, who is an icon, you don't want to half-ass it. Like, you (laughs) don't want Cher to be turning around and being like, what's the go with this kid, you know? Mm. So, and if, if Christina's got the vocals, you've definitely got to step it up with the dancing. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Kirsty, what was your highlight scene? Highlight scene? Mm. Um, well, when Christina starts singing <laughs> in the club, like uh, Tough Lover, that that's the song, wasn't it? Yeah, and just... I, I just love her grunty voice and I know that's like a very kind of um probably a very cliche scene to kind of be the favourite. Oh, sometimes but, it's what it but, is though. It's yeah, a classic for a no, reason. But I just yeah, I loved that and um because yeah, I mean she was questioning Tess, like, why isn't there any singing and mm. you wish that Tess had taken that as a hint of like, oh, well, actually, yeah, I've only seen you dance. I haven't heard you sing. And then Tess's reaction when she starts singing, that's definitely I know when we, my favourite. We went to watch it. That was the scene you were most looking forward to rewatching. Yeah. It's a very good scene. <laughs> it is. In terms of like the dynamics of that scene. 
Because yeah. I think I mean it's when Nikki and the reaction from the crowd. What is Nick? What is it? Nikki does again crowd. that sabotages. Oh, she cuts off the the music, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she cuts off the music. Yeah. And, so then and you, you just you turn so your like so oh you she... shouldn't have done that girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, because she gets box. caught rocking up to work drunk, and that's uh... why. Tess won't let her go on stage because she's drunk. That's right. And they have this massive altercation and she sends on the girl that's pregnant. That's right. Because the girl so that Georgia? goes on... Yeah, Georgia. I think, yeah. Yeah. And, um, right, yeah, and then yeah. that's how she ends up going on. Uh, Zeke, what's your highlight scene? Uh, it's probably the introduction, um, Ali's like, first sort of walk through. Um, it's, it reminded me of a very oh, similar okay. scene from last night in Soho. Oh, that sort of love it. Um, first sort of introduction to this this new world and nightlife. And um, I do think sometimes I'm not the biggest fan of Christina Aguilera's acting, but in those sort of bright-eyed scenes, I think she really shines through quite well. Um, there are there are very similar scenes in other musical-based films of this sort of fish out of the water feeling and being mm. enamored in a world but i i think because of particularly the production design of the uh, theater yeah and the color palette being used it is incredibly enticing and intriguing while still maintaining that slightly seedier and sexier feel to mm. it which obviously is a big aspect behind burlesque what about you jake um i think it will have to be we haven't talked a lot about is it is it Jack and his off-screen relationship with well mostly off-screen relationship with Nikki I think it is um, or Natalie it's Natalie I wrote it down and um, which I, I I was wondering like it was almost very comical at this point <laughs> it's like just get together already you clearly don't like this fiance that <laughs> you keep talking to on the phone but I I think the scene because I did struggle with a highlight scene but I thought the one that we found quite funny was when. Um, I think they both get home drunk and I think he, he finally gets his bedroom back but then he keeps coming out with progressively yeah. less clothes. Or <laughs> Yeah, that one's very comical and very entertaining. Yeah, I thought that was quite funny. And I love when then the girlfriend rocks back up and she, he's been going on about trying to get her to move out. Oh, mm-hmm. And then Christina turns around <laughs> and is like, that's just the way it is and then takes over the master bedroom. And it's like a real girl boss move. Mm. Yep. That was always the question in the film. Like, when when was Natalie going to come into it? Like, mm. were we only going to hear about it? Were we going to see her? Nothing yeah. like a bit of infidelity. I guess it's a good way to put it. Because I was thinking, like, oh, maybe she should have been more involved. But like you said, Kirsty, it's almost like you sort of spend the whole running time being like, when's this going to come into play? When's she going to enter the screen? So Yeah. It's like, mm. I get that a lot, actually. Loose. Highlight scene. Um, it's not really a scene, I guess, but it's more like one of the song choices and it's the choreography. A, it's a perfectly acceptable choice. So I absolutely love Express from like Express the song that's right in the middle of Burlesque. It's the one where she's got the like leotard with the handprints right on the top of her like titties. Um, but it's just so so good. Like you've got chairs, you've got hats, you've got every form imaginable and then you've got strobe lighting that doesn't take away from choreography but adds to it and it's one of those things that you're watching you're like i want to produce something like that one day like Mm. it's one of those that you're just like oof that was really good um and then 
I just, I love Cher and I love when she comes out and does her ballad. You know, it's one of those ones that I sing along to in the car and you do your little Cher mimicking voice. What's your, oh, can yes. you give a Cher mimicking voice? I am not voice? giving you my Cher mimicking oh. voice. Maybe on the drive home, if you're lucky. Okay. We'll play the whole burlesque soundtrack. You better Excellent. stir up the microphone in the car, Zeke. That's it. <laughs> Excellent. For that. I'll insert it right here. <laughs> Well, Burlesque is currently out on ABC iView. It is, yeah. They took it off Stan. That's okay. How it's free they? now. It is free now, so there you go. Even better. Go and enjoy it, though. Speaking of all of those streaming platforms and cinemas, Jake, what's new to streaming platforms and cinemas near us? It's funny because last week and this week both have very, very, very tiny list of things coming to streaming and cinemas. I'm going to, compared to uh, something that's coming up at next week's show, it's just an atrocious list of things coming out. But um, The calm before the storm. That's it, exactly. So, coming to streaming this week, we have Emerald Fennell's Saltburn coming to Prime. Very excited. Feels very quick. But this is the thing now. A lot of these streaming platform films are... uh getting their very short cinematic runs and then straight onto the streaming service. Yeah, because yeah, we've actually said, oh, let's go watch that in the movies. And by the time we finally had time to go see it, it's gone. Yeah, I rented Past Lives on YouTube for $7 and it's it was still in cinemas when I did that. That's insane. It's like, guys... There it's... are actual movies that you can download from Foxtel the day that they come out in movies. Yeah. Like, so you Probably can, instead of, of stuff leaving, and... just sit at home. Yeah. I'm excited... It's I'm yeah I'm keen I'm I'm definitely gonna it was I guess it was worth waiting yeah because it came straight to Prime we also got Bradley Cooper's directorial and performative take on Leonard Bernstein in Maestro so, this is his directorial follow up since The Star Is Born actually, I'm yeah. not a Bradley Cooper fan I'm also not really a Bradley Cooper fan. I really hated that one with the black bin liners and Jennifer Lawrence no, oh not Silver Lawrence. Linings so, played that's the one I agree I yeah. actually really like that. I got like two minutes in and I was like, mm, yeah, this is not for me. So it's a good time because, Kirsty, you only just watched The Star is Born like a month ago. Mm. Do you like it? Yeah, I did like it. Did you like it past the first act? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously there were some tough, yeah, mm. <laughs> tough things to watch in it where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is, um, yeah, this is like pushing my movie threshold <laughs> a few of <laughs> Like, yeah, no, a few it was of the things. Worth it for but, Shallow, um, though. Yeah, Lady Gaga, she's amazing. So It's such yeah. a shame she was so crazy when she first came on the scene with mm. the meat suit. And the but it makes you wonder how much of that was her or how much of that was her marketing team. I think she I think was just was so her. desperate to mm. be famous. Mm. And now I reckon she regrets it. And re- she's trying to rebrand, but the problem is... I think she's doing a pretty decent job at rebranding. I think yeah. so. I'm. I agree. Yeah, I mean, she had a stint in American Horror Story, and now Kim Kardashian is in the American Horror Story. Mm. And guess what? She's playing a character that might as well have been called Kim Kardashian, because there is <laughs> limited acting happening there. I saw like a tiny clip, I think, of her in that, and it's awful. Yeah, it is absolutely awful. Yeah, and she's up with um, Emma Watson. No, not Emma Watson. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. No, no, Emma Stone, the mm, other one. It wouldn't be Emma Stone, I think. Another Emma? I only know Watson all, and Stone. <laughs> Emma Roberts. Emma, Ro- Emma oh, Roberts. Emma, oh, I see. Roberts. Julia yep. Roberts' is niece. Gotcha. Niece. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did you know that they're related? No. I, 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 I didn't know that either. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's how she got into acting. 
There you go. Uh, she had an auntie to open a few doors. Interesting. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, also coming to Netflix this week, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once, which we mentioned earlier, of course. Top Gun Maverick. Great film. Oh, that was so good, good. That was a good film. We went to the outdoor movies. Yeah. Every time we've been oh, to the outdoor movies, we've loved the film. Yes. Clearly the only way. Yeah. To watch things outside. I still want to go to the outdoor movies. I haven't been to one before. We should do the one at the Luna. That was our first date. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the telephone yeah. thing? Or? Yeah, we yeah. went to the one at Murdoch and we nice. watched It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yes. Yep. I think we'll be talking about that next week, Zeke. <gasps> Very exciting. Ooh, on we go. We've also got Fast X. Yay. That comes to Netflix and Binge this week. And finally, coming to cinemas, I swear to God, Zeke, there's one film coming to cinemas this week. I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, Dunkey is an Indian film in which four friends from a village in Punjab share a common dream to go to England. Despite having no visas or tickets, a soldier promises to take them to the land of their dreams. That is legitimately the only film coming to either Hoyts, Palace, Vents, Luna. Who knows? Triple R did surprise us. That's true. Triple R is amazing. Triple R. I guess you have to pronounce it. It's giving me real cool runnings vibes. You know, like that whole people from a culture that's like completely polar opposite to the place they're trying to get. Gotcha. Yeah. And they're going to have subsequent problems and Mm. issues. Well, that's it. It says they have no visas, tickets, soldier promises to take them. Yeah, it sounds like it's very rough journey they're about to go on. I get that. But I swear to God, Zeke, that's all that's coming to streaming in cinemas this week. It's a short list. We are most definitely not catching any of those next week on the show. But Jake... What are we watching? Next week on the show, Zeke, we're watching Elf. Hey. Your costume is pretty. Oh, it's not a costume. I'm an elf. Oh. Well, technically I'm a human, but I was raised by elves. New Line Cinema presents the story of one elf who's coming home for Christmas. Boy. Can't wait to see my dad. We're, we're going to go ice skating and eat sugar plums. <laughs> Sorry. Now. I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! We should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper too. Buddy's experiencing a world he never knew existed. Buddy's your son. What am I gonna do? He's certifiably insane. (laughs) Discovering what it takes to fit in. And going where no elf has gone before. What he needs is to be nurtured. Bring him home. Introduce him to Emily and Michael. How long do you think you'll be with us? I was thinking, like, forever. He cannot stay here. We can't just throw him out in the snow. He loves the snow. He's told me 15 times. Ow! Son of a nutcracker! Buddy, a human, is raised amongst the elves of the North Pole. And when he discovers that he's not an elf, he travels to New York in search of his biological father. Yeah, no, not a fan of him particularly. <laughs> I just don't like him. Yeah, no. Oh, of Will Ferrell. It's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic on free-to-air television. Yeah, at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> a classic on free-to-air. I it actually is. love that. You know what? I'm like that in Grinch. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna sit here, Kirsty. I agree. That that's like Shawshank Redemption for me. I think I've watched that film more times on nine go than I have <laughs> anywhere else. I reckon it's like those films that I love. Actually, shoot, I mean, love actually. Love actually, is actually is gigantic. It's like Back to the Future Two. Have you guys ever noticed that Back to the Future Two That's plays on rerun true. over and over again? You know what? But never one and three. Like, what is See, wrong with I that? I call BS because the first time I ever watched Back to the Future Part One was on the telly. 
with See, commercials. See, I only can ever find Back to the Future 2. Interesting. <laughs> Which then makes me go, I watch five seconds of it and I'm like, I should really watch all of the Back to Futures because I'm not going to watch just number two. Oh, I like, better throw my mic. <laughs> <laughs> right. You better drop it. Because yeah, that's like <laughs> the one of the, not the best trilogy of all time, but it's it's definitely top five. For oh, sure. yeah, because Twilight's your favourite trilogy. Uh, yes, that was that is 100% <laughs> Twilight it. trilogy. Isn't it four? It's four. It's, it's five. Isn't it five films? Yeah, yeah, because that uh, will... Breaking Dawn is... Part one and two. Yeah, part one and two. There you go. I feel like I only got through three of them. I got through two. To be fair, I never finished The Hunger Games. And The Hunger Games um, prequel is out. Mm. Heaps of my kids have been raving about it at school. Same, same, with, same yeah. with my kids yeah. at school. They've been talking about it too. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. all these prequels that keep coming up once mm. we've already seen the sequel. Kind of like Fantastic Beasts. Like... Why is Jude Law looking really good as Dumbledore and then all of a sudden he decides to start wearing his dressing gown at all times of the day? <laughs> like, did COVID happen? Is isn't work from home it, happening? Is that like what the program is? Is a 60-year gap between those films, though? Or? I have no idea, but I just, I would love to know. Why did they all, all of a sudden go from, like, these cool, really nice, handmade, tailored Look suits? Look like a Peaky Blinder. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, they give off, like, they've got waistcoats and they're really coordinated and then, like, ten seconds later, he's screaming about a gobbler of fire wearing a stupid little hat and a purple <laughs> robe. And on that note... Then- well, g- girls, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Cinema Sideshow Podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. I'm Lucinda. I'm Kirsty. And we'll catch you next week with Elf. <laughs>